I'm very much delighted to begin a new series today. And the new series is titled, A God Seeker. Turn to your neighbor and tell the person, A God Seeker. And I believe that this series is going to sort of kindle or rekindle our love for God. It's, it's going to stir up something in us for God and for God's house. In fact, it is very possible to be in church and simply be going through the motions. And you miss out on the amazing things that God wants to do in your life. The things that God wants you to encounter. And, and it's very interesting because we can come to church Sunday in, Sunday out, and it becomes a religious affair. It becomes something that like, oh, I'm waking up again. It's another Sunday. Hey, children, let's dress up and then let's go. It, it can be a normal routine. It can even be a ritual. And for some people, it can be a social gathering. But God wants us to have much more than that. There has to be a deeper connection with God, a deeper connection with his presence, a deeper connection with his house. And you know what? We must never come to that place in our lives where we become familiar with God. And we become familiar with God's presence. And we become familiar with God's house. Because so many people in church today have become familiar with God. Last Friday, I went to preach for a pastor friend and then after the service, we were talking and, and we were sharing very interesting things about church. And he said, he said something, he said, Pastor, it would amaze you that when we check the number of people that are born again in church, it would, it would amaze you the number. And I said, yes, I believe it because we did a certain uh, exercise with our teens some time ago. And out of seven of them, Six of them had not been born again or they don't even understand what it meant to be born again. Meanwhile, they were coming to church. And I said, let's extend that same survey to the bigger church. And, and let's go to the bigger churches that are in the thousands. And you realize, people just come to church. It is another gathering. And you know why I know that? If people were truly born again and had a deeper relationship with God and a deeper connection with God, our nation wouldn't have been where it is. Because when you have a relationship with God that is deep, it reflects in every area of your life. I don't know of anyone who knows God well and it doesn't reflect in your, your life. No. You can't know God and it doesn't affect your marriage and it doesn't affect your business and it doesn't affect your schooling and it doesn't affect your social life. When you know God well, it affects every area of your life. So today, this whole series, you are going to study about David. I think the past weeks we've been looking at David. I love David. If I want to get to heaven, one of the first things I'm going to do, God, I want to see David. Because David was a person in the scriptures who loved God so much. He always longed to be in God's presence. When you read the scriptures, David is constantly talking about wanting to be with God, wanting to be in the house of the Lord. And so we are going to read one of his writings, Psalm 63. And we'll see how David delighted in God and how David was a God seeker. So let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 63, verse 1 to 8. He says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. 
I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. The old King James says, my soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me. Hallelujah. What a beautiful psalm. So this is a psalm when David was in the wilderness of Judah. And, and different theologians have, have given a certain interpretation to this. Some feel that David was in the wilderness at the time that Saul was chasing him and persecuting him. Some also feel that David was in the wilderness at the time that Absalom, his son, had rebelled and taken over and David was running away from the, the throne. And, and I did my studies a bit and realized that the verse 11 of this chapter says, But the king shall rejoice in God. So it gives us an indication that at the time David was writing this psalm, he was a king. And so, so the understanding is that this particular psalm was written when David was running away from Absalom when he was king. His own son had rebelled against him and David was running for his life. David had to get his men and his wife and some of the people that loved him and that some of the people that were still loyal to him and they had to flee from his own throne because of his son. And, and when you read 2 Samuel, you realize that when they were running, they got into the place, a wilderness, and the place was a dry place to the extent that some people had to come and give them food and water and wine to sustain them and to refresh them. Now, in that place of the wilderness, where David was running for his life, in that place of the wilderness, where things were not going well for David, in that place of the wilderness, where it was so dry, David writes a psalm that shows someone who loves God so much. When you read Psalm 63, you might think that this is someone who is having everything go well for him. But this is someone who was in a very desperate situation. And, and, and this psalm is actually broken in three stanzas. And, and, and we're going to take each of them for the next three weeks. So the first stanza says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So the very first line of this statement, David says what? Oh God, you are my God. And this statement is a revelation of the personal relationship David has with God. He's not saying, oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, oh God, you are my God. So David is not talking about the God of his fathers. He's talking about the God of himself. He's not saying, oh God of Nathan and, and of God. Because Nathan and God were the prophets during David's time. He didn't say that. He says, oh God, you are my God. A personal relationship. I don't know how many of us can also say, oh God, you are my God. Because you know the funny thing that is happening in our day? So many people have God as their pastor's God. And I've heard some funny prayers, and the person said, oh, the God of 
uh, Bishop so so and so or the God of Reverend so so and so. No, no, he's not supposed to be the God of another person. He's supposed to be your God. God wants a personal relationship with you. So David says, oh God, you are my God. He introduces and tells God that God, what I am about to say, I'm saying it on the premise that I have a personal relationship with you. On the basis that it is not because I know you from somewhere, but it's on the basis that I know you. As a matter of fact, David had heard about God. He knew about God, but David also knew God. Let me make this statement. It is possible to know about God and not know God. Some of you did not get that statement. It is possible to know about God and not know God. I know about Cristiano Ronaldo because I read about him in the newspapers. He's a very great footballer, but I don't know him. And so it is very possible to read about God, to hear about God, and not have a personal relationship. But David says what? Oh God, you are my God. And in the journey of being a God seeker, you can't be a God seeker without having a personal relationship with God. That is why in this church, we don't encourage you to depend on the pastor. Yes, I pray for you. Yes, I'm preparing for you. Yes, I want to be there for you. But no, 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 no. I want you to know God for yourself. Because guess what? Today, I might be alive. Tomorrow, I might not be around. And if I'm not around, what, what happens? Are you going to look for another pastor and find the God of that pastor? No! Your faith is supposed to be in God and God alone. So David says what? Oh God, you are my God. Now, when you read the English version, you see God there. Oh God, you are my God. It's, it's the same God, right? The same spelling, G-O-D. But in the Hebrew, there are two different words that David employs for God. The first word, when he says, oh God, it is the word Elohim. And Elohim actually refers to God in his three-person form, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word there is Elohim. It talks about God in his fullness as God, the Godhead. And so, so first of all, David is mentioning God and he says, I am talking to the true God, the true living God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who is supreme above all else. But the second word he uses when he says, my God, is the Hebrew word El. And that word means a mighty one. In fact, that word was generally used for gods in their days. But when the Hebrew person is using the word El, he's talking to God as his mighty one, the almighty one in whom my strength is. So first, David says, Oh God, the creator of the universe, the one who is the true living God, you are my strength. And you know what David is saying? He's saying that God, I know you are everything you say you are. You are the healer. You are the creator. You are the protector. You are, the, you are my shield. You are my banner. But in this circumstance, I want to be personal and specific. I want to relate to you as my strength. So do you know what David is saying? David is saying that as you walk with God, God reveals himself specifically to you in different situations. So in one moment, God revealed to him, himself to you as, his, as your provider. In another moment, he revealed himself to you as your banner. In another moment, he revealed himself to you as your strength. Another moment, he revealed himself to you as your healer. But you've got to know God as a specific God in every single given situation, not as a general God. So he says, oh God, you are what? My God. Because at that moment in the wilderness, what David needed was strength, not healing. 
What David needed in the wilderness at that moment was not money, was strength. Because he had run out of strength. And he said, Lord, you are my mighty one. You are the almighty one. And so I depend on you. In fact, this statement gives us an understanding that David had total dependence on God. He says, I'm running away from my son. You know, when I was reading the scriptures, I was wondering why David was running away from Absalom. Because David was a man of war. One. Number two, David had mighty men that killed giants. So, so if this little boy was rebelling against David, why would he run? But when you read the passage very well, Absalom was very wise. Absalom started stealing the hearts of the Israelites. So from every tribe, all the tribes, from tribe to tribe. So by the time he was rebelling against David, almost all of Israel's hearts had gone after Absalom. And David knew that this battle, there is no way I can handle it by myself. And sometimes in life, you realize that it is not your experience, it is not your skill, it is not your qualification that can help you through the battle. But you realize that it is only God that can be your strength in the circumstances that you find yourself in. So you say, oh God, you are my God. Where you don't depend on your experience and you don't depend on how, how well you went into another battle. Like last Friday, I went to preach and, and, and whilst I was getting ready to preach, all my notes got lost on my tablet. And, 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 and I, 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 can't, I, I need to prepare. I need to have my notes before me to follow. And God was teaching me that, no, I, I know you need to prepare and that's how I trained you. But in this moment, at this particular time, I want you to depend on me because I have a word for the people. And once I was standing there, God spoke to me. And the pastor said, this is one of the most refreshing messages I've heard the whole year. Can you imagine? In that moment, my experience, my skill, my tools did not matter, but it only had to be on God. And so, beloved, I'm telling you, there are seasons in your life that it is not what you have and what you know that can see you through. It is your God who is your strength, who is your provider, who is your defender, who is your healer that can see you through that season. So David says, oh God, you are my God. The more you walk with God, the more he reveals himself to you. The more of the revelation of God you have, the deeper your work with him becomes. Now look at the next statement David says. He says, early will I seek you. He says, you are my God. But now he says, early will I seek you. And it gives us the understanding of the kind of relationship David had with God. The word early in the, in the Hebrew means to dawn. It actually means to be up very early. In fact, to be up before the day breaks. And the implication is that you do that with seriousness and you do that with diligence. So what David is saying is that I wake up before everyone wakes up and I spend time with God. Early will I what? Seek you. Not late. Not when the day has broken and, and I've stretched myself and then after I've picked my phone and looked at all my WhatsApp chats and all the Facebook notifications and all the Instagram, then I say, okay, God, now let's talk. David says, no. The first thing I do in the day is that I spend time with God. The big question I want to ask you, how many of you have God on your priority list first? First. First in the morning. First in the day. I'm amazed. Sometimes I wake up. I, I don't turn my data on. I, when I'm sleeping, I turn it off. So later in the morning, when I turn my data on, I can, I can see someone has sent me a message at 3 a.m., 2 a.m. I'm wondering, like, why? Did, did they not sleep? 
or, or when they woke up, what was the first thing? Was the first thing to send a message to someone? Or was the first thing to consult the phone? David says that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is what? I spend time with God. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 1 that Jesus Christ, a great while before day, he went into the mountains all by himself to pray. So you wake up early. I know sometimes it's difficult. I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes it's tough. You wake up and your bed is calling you and your body is telling you I'm tired. But like David, we can also make a commitment and say, early will I seek you. In Psalm 5 verse 3, he says that my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look up. So what David is saying, Lord, Lord, every morning you will hear my voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whether I'm in the wilderness or I'm in the castle, you will hear my voice. You know the thing I love about David? David's relationship with God does not change regardless of which season he finds himself. When he was king, he was still praising God and serving God. Last week we learned he was more undignified when he was a king. In the wilderness, he's still saying that, Lord, you will hear my voice early in the morning. Oh, yeah, beloved. Early in the morning. Yeah, before you jump into the car and go to work, early in the morning. Before you, you start getting the kids ready for school, early in the morning. Before you touch your phone, early in the morning. You want to spend time with you, you know what? God wants to be the first in your life. Let me tell you something. God does not like second place. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't like third place. He doesn't like any place than first. That is the God we have. The Bible calls him a jealous God. He is jealous when other things are taking his place in your life. And that is why David learned it early and said, look. And, and that's why last week I told you that. The Bible says that David, God himself said it. That this is a man after my own heart. Who will do all my will. That's what the Bible says about David. Oh Lord, I, I, want, I want you to have the same remark about me. And I want to ask you, can God say the same thing about you? That, that you wake up early. And you are with him. You wake up early. And he's the first person that you speak to. When you seek God early, it's an indication that you place God first above all else. Yeah. You place God first above all else. You place God first above your family. You place God first above your business. You place God first above everything. My wife is here. She'll bear witness with you. When I wake up, nothing else matters to me than God. Oh, yeah. My little girl will tell you, I'll wake up and then I'll go and I'll be praying. And then Aram wakes up very early. She'll also come there and I tell her, go back. I want to finish praying. And we have trained her. When she wakes up, we ask her the first thing, have you prayed? Because you see, you have to have it as a practice to be in the presence of God as the first thing. The first thing. And when I'm going to pray, I don't take my phone along. You know why? I'm in the presence of God. I don't need any other distraction. No, no. When I'm with God, I don't... I don't need any other distraction. No, no. God, God's attention is enough for me. I don't need any other distraction. When I'm done with God, I can meet the needs of every other single person. As a matter of fact, if I can't focus in the presence of God, there's nothing I can do for you. Absolutely nothing. So early will I seek you. It means you place God first above all else. Number two, it means that you acknowledge his place in all that you do throughout the day. When you see God first, you are saying that, God, I don't know how this day is going to be. Now, how many of you know what's going to happen in the next five minutes? No, five minutes is too much. How many of you know what's going to happen in the next one minute? 
No, you have no idea. We are sitting here. We are only expecting that something good will happen. We, we plan things out. But have you realized that not all your plans go according to your plans? <laughs> no, no, no. Friday, I, I, I finished my retreat and, and my, my desire was that I was going to stay a little bit in the office and get things ready and then go home. Then, then I received a call. My daughter was not well in the night because I wasn't at home outside the retreat. That, that was something I didn't plan for. So when you commit the day into the hands of the Lord, when you spend time in the presence of God, what you are saying is that, God, I don't know how this day will go. I don't know the challenges ahead of me. I don't know the traps before me. I don't know the blessings before me. I don't know the opportunities before me. But I trust you to lead me throughout the day because by myself, I can't go through this day. So David says, early in the morning, because I need God. Number three, it's an indication that you totally depend on him to lead you through life. Yeah, life has many seasons. On one moment, you can be on the mountain. Another moment, you can be in the valley. One moment, it can be a breakthrough. Another moment, everything is crashing in on you. But when you learn to seek God early, what you are saying is that, Lord, I don't know the seasons of life I'll go through, but I know that you are my strength in every single season. And you are there with me in every single season. And so I want to spend time with you because in every season that I face, I will need you right there beside me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll need you right there beside me. It was a very, a very interesting season of my life that I went through. I hardly shared. I don't know why I feel like sharing with you this morning. I hardly shared. But that season was a season where I almost lost my mind. It was after school. And, and there were a lot of things that were happening to me and my mind would just, I could just feel like my mind was just exploding. But you know what kept me in that season? Fellowship with God. Like I'll just be with God. In fact, that season I told my father, for, for the first time in a long time, I don't want to go to church. And, but, but you know what kept me seeking God? Because there are seasons that you, you can't handle. You realize your strength is not sufficient for you. There is nothing that can take you through that season apart from God. So when you learn to seek God, what you are saying is that God, I entrust my whole life into your hands. That I don't know what will happen next week. I don't know what will happen next three weeks, but whatever comes my way, I want to trust you through the seasons of life. And, and I've realized something that it is easier to seek God early in the morning when you seek God in the night. This, this is my personal te testimony. When I, when I spend time with God in prayer in the evening, it's very easy to wake up at dawn. When, when, when I'm tired and I, like, I'm praying in, in the bed, that kind of prayer that we pray in the bed, and like, you don't last for 30 seconds, I mean. And then you, you wake up and then you, you think you have prayed for 30 minutes, but you actually pray for 30 seconds. It's so difficult waking up at dawn. But when you spend time with God in the evening, what happens is that you are able to, your spirit is able to respond to the Holy Spirit waking you up to pray. So look at something that is written in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 9. It says, with my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. It says, what? I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. Because when you desire God in the night, by your spirit within you in the morning, you'll be able to what? Seek God early. 
And no wonder David said in Psalm 55 verse 17, he says, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Look at the progression. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. The next statement that David makes is a very interesting one. He says, my soul thirsts for you. Wow. He says, my soul is thirsty for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now, literally and physically, David was in the wilderness where there was no water. It was a dry place. So physically, he needed physical water. But figuratively, David was also in a season of his life where it was a wilderness period and his soul was thirsty. When we say your soul is thirsty, it means you are in a place where you are tired in life. I don't know whether you have been there before. You are tired. You are, you, are, you are just simply tired of life and tired in life. When you say that your soul is thirsty, it means that you are unrefreshed in life. Your life is stale. Things are just, just not going the way they are supposed to go. It means you have a dry life. It means that your life is an unsatisfied life. You don't feel anything. You don't find any fulfillment. It's like you have hit the road and you don't know how things will go next. And David says, in that season of my life where it was a wilderness and where it was dry for me, this is what I long for. My soul was thirsty for God. He says, Lord, my soul is thirsty for you. Yeah. How many of you have walked through the scorching sun and you long so much for water and there was no water in sight? It's like you saw the value of water. Like, like I need water. I, I need water. And you know why? Because the sun has drained you. It has dehydrated you. It has taken your strength. And all you need is water. And have you realized that when you finally get the water and you drink it, you feel like, this all I needed. And this is what God is saying. That in the seasons of life, when life has drained you and has taken so much from you, there's a living water that can quench your soul. A living water that is much more than any money in this world. Much more than any connection in this world. Much more than any business proposal in this world. Much more than any love from any person. And that is the living water of God. It quenches our souls. It refreshes our souls. It, it makes us feel like the problems are not gone, but you feel like I have strength to go the next journey. I have the strength to go the next mile. And you know what David says? My flesh longs for you. And I know that the flesh always longs for fleshy things. But David says in this season, my flesh longs for you. You, you know the thing I love? He's saying that the entirety of my being wants God. I, I pray for you this morning that every part of your being will want God. Oh, you didn't say a big amen. I said, I pray for you this morning that every part of your being will want God. Your body, your soul, your spirit will want God. Like, like you, you will be crazy about God. Like you, you won't even understand why every part of your being just wants God. That you will get to a place when you switch the television on, it will even appeal to you. You tell us, ah, Charlie, I think this time, this is not what I want. I, I, I just want to be with God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I, I was telling my wife, was it Saturday? And I was telling her that I've forgotten that I'm not fasting. Like, I had been fasting for a while. And then, and on Saturday, I had broken up. I mean, I had ended my fast on Friday. And Saturday, I mean, like, I was just, I was like, ah. I felt hungry, but I felt like I was still fasting. I was like, 
Oh, I've forgotten that I am not fasting. You know, you get to a certain place and there's so much desire for God that the things that appeal to the flesh do not appeal to the flesh any longer because you want God and you want to be with him. I pray that this will be your desire and this will be your portion in Jesus' name. So in Psalm 42 verse 1, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. And, and you know, that's, that's, that statement, if you don't understand how the deer pants for the water brooks, you might not understand what David was writing there. He says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so does my soul pant for you. You know what? When the deer is, is, in, is in the bush or is in the wilderness, and then an enemy is pursuing the deer, whether a wild dog or some other animal, a lion or something is pursuing the deer, the deer is very fast. So it, it's running fast. And the enemy is still pursuing the deer. But the deer's strength cannot go as far as it wants to go because the enemy is pursuing very hard. So as the enemy is pursuing, the deer is losing strength. And, it's, and so whilst the deer is running away from the enemy, it is looking for a water brook because when it gets to the water brook and it drinks water, it receives strength to, to run faster than it used to run. So David says that the same way the deer is looking for a water brook, the same way I'm also looking for God because in this light, the enemy will be pursuing me and chasing me. Things will be taken away from me but when I can get into the presence of God and draw from God I'll receive new strength and the enemy will not be able to get hold of me will not be able to catch me and I pray that you will also seek after God just like the deer is panting after the water brooks oh yeah the witches and wizards in your family they can't do anything to you and, and you know the reason why is because when you stay in the presence of God he will give you more strength to go the next level yeah you receive strength for the next level. You receive strength for the next level. And I sense in my spirit right now that someone is receiving strength for the next level. May you receive that strength for the next level. So David is desperately crying and he says that my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Nothing in this world can bring satisfaction but God. Nothing else can bring solution except God. Nothing else can make the soul at ease except God. So in this life, we find our strength, the source of our strength, our satisfaction and refreshing as God. God is the source of our strength. He's the source of our refreshing and satisfaction. Now, now we are getting to the close, closing part of the text. He says, to see your power and your glory. This is the next thing he says. So I have looked for you in your sanctuary or in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Now, now the whole objective of God, of David longing for God and looking for God, he says, to see your power and your glory. Wow. When I came across that statement, I started praying. I said, Lord, I want to see your power and your glory. Because the, the word power there refers to might. It refers to, it refers to strength. It refers to security. So David says, I want to see the might of God. I want to see the strength of God. I want to see the security of God in this situation. But he also says to see his glory. Because the word glory talks about the majesty of God, the splendor of God. It talks about the weight of his presence. That when God comes into the situation, every single thing will give way and every single thing will settle. He says, I want to see the power and the glory of God. But look at the statement he made. He says, I have looked for you in the sanctuary. Because at the time that David and the people were running away from Absalom, 
the ark of the covenant which we talked about last week as representing the presence of God David told the priests that they should take it back and that if God delighted in them God will bring them back to his throne so what happened was that David and the people moved into the wilderness without the ark of the covenant and the sanctuary where the ark of the covenant was and the sanctuary was the place where they go to publicly worship God because the ark was a symbol of the presence of God. Now, David is in the wilderness and he realizes that there's something missing in my life. He says, I've been praying in the morning and I've been praying in the evening. My personal relationship with God is alright, but there's something missing. I miss church. I miss being in the house of God. I miss the sanctuary of God. He says, I have looked for you in the sanctuary. I am looking for you. There is no sanctuary here. So what David is saying that I have my personal life with God. I have my personal relationship with God. But the house of God is also important to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, some of you did not hear that. Yeah. When COVID came, some, some people said, praise the Lord. Oh, we didn't want to go to church. Now there is lockdown. Praise the Lord. We'll stay at home. And people are still staying at home. Because you see, there is no deep desire and consciousness to be in the house of God. No, there is no resolution to be in the house. I've heard people saying, oh, I'll serve God. I'll be by myself in my house, in my room, and I'll just be there alone. There is nothing like coming together as the saints of God. Because you know what? There's something about coming together. That's what David said. When we come together as the saints of God, we see the power and the glory of God. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people, Israel. So what this means is that when we come together and corporate, we lift up praise unto God and we exalt God and we lift God. God comes to dwell inside of it. God comes to sit inside of it. Yes, I know God doesn't dwell in four, four corners of a wall or God doesn't dwell in physical buildings. But God also respects the fact that we gather together. So in the New Testament, although our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 10 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In, in Matthew 18 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, what? I am there in the midst of them. So what David was saying is that, look, I miss being together with God's people in a sanctuary. A God seeker is not just satisfied with a personal relationship with God. A God seeker also wants to be in the house of God with other believers so together we can honor God and praise God and worship God and adore God. Because a God seeker knows that when we come together in the house of God, it's a family meeting with our Heavenly Father. So David says that, look, I have my relationship with God, but I want to be in the sanctuary. The word sanctuary is a word in the Hebrew word Kodesh, a place that is set apart. So he says, I want to be in that place that has been set apart for God's people to meet. I want to be there for corporate worship so we can see the power and the glory of God. No wonder in Psalm 122 verse 1, David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know how many of us are glad when they say unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know how many of you, when you receive a broadcast message that we're having church tomorrow, you actually smile at it and say that, oh, we are going. Or you actually look at your phone and say, look at Pastor Iman again. He says we should come to church. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the 
Lord. And you know what? Let me make this statement based on David's experience. That the house of the Lord will not always be there. Throughout church history, you see, when you have the opportunity to come to the house of the Lord and you have freedom and there's no war and there's no one persecuting you, come to the house. Because throughout church history, we have realized that there were times that the church were persecuted and they had to meet underground and they had to meet in people's homes somewhere and locked up. In China right now, people cannot meet openly because they are cracking down on public worship. And even when people are having worship online, they are going into their houses because they can track your phone, they can track their devices, and they can come. And I saw the images and I saw the video. How they were dragging people. In this day, not, not in 19-something, in the 21st century, people are being persecuted. So when we have the opportunity and we have the freedom to gather together in the house of the Lord. Beloved, let's come with joy like David. Let's come together and have fellowship together and serve God together because this might not always be there forever. There are countries, our neighboring countries that never dreamt of war and then the next day there was war and they couldn't even go to church again. So David, who could be at the sanctuary at any time because he was a king, was now in the wilderness and there was no sanctuary. You can't guarantee everything in life. So you love God personally, but you also love the house of God. You love the gathering of the, of the saints. And anytime we gather in the name of Jesus, he shows up. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And we read something very interesting on Wednesday. Before this verse, he says that whatsoever two of you shall agree as touching on this earth, it shall be done. In other words, when we come together and corporately we agree before God, he says that he shall do it on our so let me wrap up and say this. That a God seeker values a consistent personal relationship with God. A God seeker values a consistent personal relationship with God. Not, not the one that you, you pray today and then the next time is the next time you have fellowship with God is one week. Some of us can do giddy giddy and have three days fasting of prayer. Like like the whole world, like the whole house knows that you are in a fast. Three days. And after the three days. The rest of the month, you don't even spend 15 minutes a day in the presence of God. No, that's not the kind of thing we are talking about. A God seeker is consistent in the presence of God. A God seeker diligently and seriously goes after God on a daily basis. Let me tell you, it is not easy to go after God. It's not easy to seek God. No, 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 it's not easy. And some of you think it's easy for us pastors. It's not easy. This dawn, I woke up. I was so tired. But I knew how to pray. I was like, I was standing on the bed. Oh, God, please help me. Because yesterday was a very, very busy day. By the time I go home, I was so exhausted. Three o'clock. Because I have a deal with the Holy Spirit. And you know the funny thing? God, when, when, when you have a deal with God, God, he sticks to his time. He wake you up. Today, when I woke up, I said in my head, I didn't say it loud. I said in my head, hey, God, you too. Three o'clock. I'm tired. Three o'clock, I was awake. And I stretched and stretched and stretched. And then 4 o'clock, I managed to get myself out to go and pray. It was tough. It was hard. It was difficult. But that's the thing. When you're seeking God, it's not going to be easy. But you have to put in the effort. You have to work at it. 
it's difficult, but you have to push. You have to go because you know that there is a place in God I need to get to. I don't know any pregnant woman that gets to seven months and says, I'm tired. Enough. Enough. No. The, the, the woman knows it's hard. It's difficult. It knows it's, it's not easy. Like, I am faint. I don't know how I'm going. But the woman knows that, look, if I can endure and push to the ninth man, something great is going to come out of me. So a God seeker knows that if I can diligently pursue God, there is something I will lay hold on when I get to that place. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A God seeker totally depends on God in every given situation. A God seeker has expectations of seeing God's power and glory. A God seeker values meeting in God's house with God's people. And I pray today that we will be God seekers in Jesus' name. May we be God seekers all the days of our lives. May we long for God in every season of our lives. May we diligently go after God every time of our lives. Not just in the good times, but also in the bad times. May we seek God always. In Jesus' name, amen. You want to rise to your feet this morning and just begin to tell the Lord that, Father, I want to know you. You want to rise to your feet and say, Father, I want to know you. I want to long after you. I want to seek after you. I want to love you. I, I want to give my whole soul to you. Just lift up your voice and begin to talk to the Lord. Begin to talk to the Lord. We want to seek you, Lord. We want to seek you early, Lord. We want to know you, Lord. We want to love you, oh God. We want to give ourselves to you holy. Lift up your voice and like David and say that, Lord, my soul for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land, in, in, in the situations I find myself in, in this economy, in this, in this, I mean, COVID season, Lord, I long for you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to love you more. I want to serve you more with all my heart, oh God, with every part of my being, oh 